How's everybody feeling? Like really, how are, how are you feeling? <laughs> like post, post-Christmas, post-holidays, excitement, feeling like re-energized, like ready to go, a little tired maybe, a little, a little sad that you had to say goodbye to family and friends, a little happy sad that you had to say goodbye to your family and friends, all those things, that's all true, yeah. <laughs> we, we've been spending the last several weeks here uh, heading up to Christmas looking at the characters, the original characters, the people who were in the real story of Christmas and how they were feeling as they were experiencing the things that they were experiencing. Like, for instance, there was, you know, Mary who received this word from God that she was going to give birth to a child even though she was a virgin, so she, had, she was dealing with some stuff. <laughs> Joseph, who was engaged to be married to her, was dealing with some things that his fiancée was pregnant the shepherds receive some news. I mean, everybody in the story is dealing with all kinds of emotions, and we've talked about that. And the thing is that over all those things, what we see, especially now on this side of Christmas Day, is that all those feelings and all those emotions were kind of like moving in one direction. They were moving us towards hope. Even though they seemed like they were chaotic and going in different ways, they were moving us towards hope. And the posture of hope is a great posture to be in when you're staring down a new year that's just a couple days away. So I want to invite you today, um, in the next couple of days, to take the program that you received on your way in. You might notice, if if you're regular with us, that uh, I don't have a a lot of um, little spots for you to fill things in today. It's just really simple. What we have in there is, is a way for you to start jotting down and thinking through what you're going to do this year in terms of what you're going to hold on to and what you're going to let go of. This year, And we'll talk about that for the next, the next few moments. And I just want you to take that with you, put in your Bible where, wherever it's going to be, uh, somewhere where you're going to see it, to consider what you're heading into this new year with. So, last uh, Sunday and Monday, we, uh, you guys, packed out this place for, for six services. Six candlelight Christmas Eve services, which were beautiful. One of the most beautiful uh, images that I've seen in a long time. You know, there's just nothing that can replace the the glow of a natural you know, candle light in a room, how it just fills it up and takes it over, and the glow of your faces in, the, in that light. It's just so amazing. It's something, and you might be like this as well, something that you want to hold on to, something that you, you know, like an image that you just want to capture and keep it, right? I recently returned to a church that I had, had served for a, a season in life. I went back for a funeral, and... Um, after the service was over, I went and I talked to a bunch of folks who, who I loved and had walked with us through really a short season of life, but it was an important season of life. Uh, we were there. Uh, we, we moved there when our oldest child was uh, three years old. Our second child was five months old. And while we were living there, our twins were born. <laughs> so we had a lot of life packed into just a few years with these people. So it was important. And so when I was uh, going around hugging necks after the funeral, people were, were saying, oh, I've seen on Facebook how your children are they're growing so fast. And I'm like, I know, so are yours. They're, they're growing so, so quickly. The other side of that conversation with a lot of people is, uh, and we're aging so rapidly. <laughs> we're getting old so, so fast. You know, there's something about um, seeing people that you haven't seen in a long time that, that creates a, a measuring stick for us, you know? Kind of creates like a, a thing where you can say, oh, last time I saw you, you were just up to my knee, and now you're, <laughs> right? Like we have a measuring stick that we, that we can compare to. 
I sometimes wonder if, if Mary had one of those in her house when Jesus was growing up. Did she have a way of measuring his progress and his height, a little height chart on the doorpost, you know, just marking, marking his growth? I wonder if she ever stopped to think, you know, oh my gosh, that manger in Bethlehem was so long ago. Seems like yesterday, but it was years and years ago. Did she ever not drive by it, but walk by or ride a donkey by and say, hey Jesus, that's where you were born. I do that sometimes with with the kids here. We're driving in downtown Nashville, and I'll say, that used to be Baptist Hospital, and that's where you were born, kids. (laughs) We like to kind of like live those moments. I wonder if she ever had that thought of, or just like marking the occasion when Jesus first said, Mama, did she mark it? I imagine that 33 years later, when she was standing there at the foot of the cross that her son was hanging on, somewhere in all the things that she was feeling and thinking, somewhere might have been this thought of, just yesterday, I was comforting him in my arms. And now he's comforting the entire world. You know, life speeds up really quickly, right? Like people say that to you, but you know, like in the middle of it, every once in a while you stop and go, oh, they were telling me the truth. <laughs> life goes fast and the story speeds up quickly. That's how it feels for this story of the baby Jesus. Just Tuesday, he was a baby. And today, I want to talk, pick up the story 40 days later. I know it hasn't been 40 days since Christmas, but that's how life works, right? 40 days later, the law required that Mary and Joseph take Jesus to the temple to have him presented to God. It was just part of their whole um, ritual that, that, that they had to do. So 40 days into Jesus' life, they went to the temple. And there they met this man named Simeon. Now, Simeon was this old man who had been waiting his entire life. Because at one point in his life, God came to him and said, before you die you are going to see the salvation of the world, the consolation of my people. You are going to see my plan. (laughs) You're going to see that uh, lived out in front of you. So Simeon heard this, and that's a pretty amazing reality. It's also even more amazing to consider that Simeon lived at a time that was 400 years after the last word from a prophet who was telling us that Christmas was going to come that God was going to send his son into the world. You know, there were all these prophecies that were kind of giving us clues, and we sing about them at Christmas time. It had been 400 years since that time. And yet Simeon was still holding on to this promise, still holding on to this hope. God's Spirit led Simeon into the temple that day. I don't know if Simeon knew that that was the day that it was all going to going to come together, but God's Spirit led him to that place so that he could see the promise come true. Have you ever received a promise from God? Some of you are like, I don't even know what that would be like. That doesn't make, that your question doesn't make any sense. And some of you would say, absolutely, I feel like I've had a promise from God. Some of you could even say, I've seen his promises come true in my lifetime. A promise from God, even in the middle of a really long period of time. Like, you're feeling like it's been 400 years right now since I've heard from God. A promise from God can set our hearts on a course to see God, the way Simeon was able to see God. So Simeon is, is led into the temple, and he encounters Jesus. Now, I know that Mary was the mother of the Son of God, 
But Mary was also a first-time mother who had a barely over a month old baby in her arms. Everything was new. Everything that she did was for the first time as a, as a mother, right? She was going, that was real. She was going through all those things. And as she approached the temple, she must have had all kinds of, of things going through her mind before she encountered this man, Simeon. When our oldest daughter, Gracie, was born, in that first two weeks of her life, we had a lot of activity. Uh, we moved to another town. We bought our first house. I graduated from school. I was ordained as a pastor in the Methodist church. And oh yeah, we had our first child. <laughs> All in a, in a two-week period of, of time. Uh, we moved to a, to a church where I was a youth pastor, and the church was so welcoming. They threw this big reception for us. And I remember watching Jenny kind of come into the room and just kind of like uh, anchor down in the corner a little bit and just trying to kind of protective posture, you know. And then this woman, this really well-intentioned woman, walked across the room, walked up to Jenny, and took Gracie, our two-week-old daughter, <laughs> out of her hands and started walking around the room like she was doing a nice thing, because she thought that she was doing a nice thing. A look came over Jenny's face that I had never seen before. <laughs> and I, I really haven't seen it again since, and I'm not sure I want to. <laughs> but it was like that mama bear kind of, whoa, something just happened here, right? Something just went awry, and things could go south quickly. We could empathize with Mary walking into the temple, feeling all the things that she was feeling, and I imagine that something happened in her heart the, the moment that, as the scripture says, Simeon took him. Simeon went up to Mary and took her month-old child in his arms and praised God. Like in a few short words, if you can just kind of, we can just put ourselves in Mary's shoes for a minute. We went from, who's taking my child, to this is a moment that I need to capture. This is something that I need to hold on to. Because Simeon went on and said, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Now, after Simeon had said these words, he was ready to go. He was done like that was the moment that he had been living for. Do you get that? Like everything, he'd been waiting. He was old. He'd been waiting his whole life for this, for this moment. And any anxiety or feelings about unfulfilled promises dissipated, and he was ready to go. He didn't, he didn't have to see the rescue of the whole world with his own eyes. You might think that he held on for that moment. He's looking at Jesus. He's wanting to say, I'm going to stick around. I want to see how this thing ends. But instead, he's able to look at this baby in his arms and know the whole story. Because he knows something about the promises of God. He knows something about how they work and how, how it is for them to come true. God's promises were being fulfilled right there in his arms, and he knew it, and knowing it was enough for him. A light was lit that day, and Simeon believed that it would never go out. I mentioned our candlelight services in here last week. And one thing about those moments that are just that powerful and that uh, beautiful, they stick in your mind, like you have to, you, we think, how can we capture this? How can we keep doing this? Or at least, how can, are we going to carry this light into the next season of life? It turns out 
followers of Jesus have been doing this for some time. I did some research this week for you, and, and I actually learned that the early church, just a few centuries after Jesus uh, lived on earth, they started this, this pattern of 40 days after Christmas, they would bring their candles. This might sound a little weird. They brought their candles to church, the candles for the entire year. They'd have them, they brought them to church so that they could be blessed. If you think about it, these candles are their only source of light throughout the year. That and the sun. Like they, they're going to be, these candles are very important to them. It'd be like us bringing all of our light bulbs and cell phones. Every, there's so many things that bring light into our world, right? But for them, these candles were it, and they brought it, and they, they presented it to God and asked for a blessing on this. And it was their way of answering the question how are we going to carry this light into the rest of our lives, into the rest of the year? By remembering that every light is connected to the light of Christ. Like every spark of hope that you feel, every word or gesture that brings life is connected to the light that we experience in here on Christmas Eve. Not everyone around you is going to know that, but you will. So we just fast forwarded 40 days into Jesus' life. The next part of the story in the Gospel of Luke jumps 12 years. But that's kind of how it works, right? (laughs) You look up and it's 12 years later. It's the story of 12-year-old Jesus missing the bus in Jerusalem. His parents had taken him there for the festival, which is what they did every year. And now that he was 12, he participated in the festival as well. They started to go home with this big group, and and somewhere down the road, they realized that Jesus was not with them. You know, sometimes you want your child to really experience a special moment. You want them to take it in. We set things up so that it's just right. But we also have our own schedules and our own time frames and way, you know, things, we want things to work uh, the way we want them to work. It's like that for our family. I've got a 12-year-old boy as well. It's the first year that I've had a 12-year-old son when I'm reading this story, and it kind of puts it into a different light for me. If, if you know my, my son, uh, Miles, he's a, he's a listener, but he's also a talker. He's a talker. <laughs> talker first, listener second. <laughs> He really likes to, to engage. Like he, thinks, he thinks out loud. And just a word of warning for you, if you are around him, he is listening. <laughs> if you're talking, he's, he's listening. And then he's, he's asking questions. And we, we go about our daily busy lives. We do the things that we do. We stay on schedule. We got to get back on the road after, after church is over, right? And every once in a while, while we're in the middle of our busyness, Miles will say something that just has a depth of understanding that kind of you know, takes us out of it for just a minute. Mary and Joseph found Jesus learning more about the faith that he was ultimately at the center of. Here's the story. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth, Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. She held these things in her heart. Now this is a pattern for Mary. If you look back at the story, she, she treasured the moment that the angel came to her and said she was going to have a baby. She treasured the word of the shepherds who, who spoke this truth about Jesus. She treasured what Simeon said about Jesus. She treasured the scene of Jesus sitting there with all the grown-ups, learning and asking questions. 
showing a glimpse of his kingdom-sized mission. She even seemed to treasure his boldness in declaring that the temple was his father's house, and why would they look anywhere else? She holds on to these things in her heart. They're treasures for her. They're like gold in her heart. What do you treasure in your heart? What has that place in your heart today? Where it's like gold to you. Mary's life was like a roller coaster, lots of ups and downs. She felt it all, right? Even just in this, this small season of her life. Surprise and fear and joy and hope and grief and disappointment and anticipation. What should amaze us about all this is that she had all this wide range of emotions and she held it all in her heart together so that she could live in the moment and have strength and purpose for what lies ahead. The early days of this part of her story gave her strength for the difficulty of the later days that she would experience. Mary held on. She held these things in her heart. Simeon let go. And they both trusted God. The trick is holding on and letting go of the right things, right? We can really quite easily hold on to the past. And sometimes we can make it more than it really was. Uh, This year, my family finally had a chance about halfway through December to sit down and watch some Christmas movies together. There might, maybe, have been some Hallmark movies involved, some Lifetime movies. But I'm a guy, I can handle it. (laughs) Maybe maybe that's my inner judge. (laughs) We watched a lot of Great, sappy movies with the same storyline. <laughs> As we were searching through movies one night, I saw this title of a movie. It's called The Night They Saved Christmas. I'm not seeing a lot of recognition here, but when I was a kid, this was a movie that I saw every single year. It came on TV. I'd pull out the TV guide from the newspaper. I'd figure out what night it was going to be on. I'd circle it. I watched The Night They Saved Christmas every year because it was such a great great movie. So I saw it pop up on the screen and I was like, kids, this is a Christmas you're going to remember because tonight we're going to watch The Night They Saved Christmas. I won't get into the storyline. It's very complicated. We turned on the movie. About five minutes into the movie, I could quickly tell that although this was the exact movie that I watched when I was a kid, it is not the movie I remembered. (laughs) It has gone down as the worst movie ever seen in our household. I still, I'm I'm still holding back a little bit on it. I think like there's some hope for it, but I do not get to pick movies for at least a year in our house. (laughs) We can hold on too tightly to things in the past. We make them more than they are sometimes. We can also let go too easily. Can you imagine like if Simeon had let go? I mean, a lot of the story would actually be the same, but if Simeon had, had let go of the promises of God and not waited outside the temple and not listened to the Spirit of God lead him to this encounter with Jesus? We wouldn't be telling his story today and Mary wouldn't have treasured it in her heart. The life of faith is kind of this constant movement of holding on and, and letting go and discerning what those things are. So today and in the days to come, I just want to invite you to... Take note of this. What are you going to hold on to this year? Is there something in your life, and, and there are certainly things in my life where I have, I have neglected to hold on to what's important. And then I kind of see it over there on the side, and I was like, wait a minute, 
that was really important and I let go. So I want to hold that in my heart this year. And there are some things that I've just been holding on to that I need to let go of so that God can come and do what he wants to do. My invitation for you is this. Decide now to hold on to what is beautiful and true and let go of your life so that the life of Christ can come through you. God, we treasure in our heart this story, which is true, of you breaking through into the world, making yourself known to us. It's something we do not want to let go of. We treasure the salvation that we can know through the baby born in a manger. We treasure this life that we can experience even as we come to this table of communion where we'll find bread and juice, which represents the body and blood of Christ. As we take and hold tightly to the bread, the body of Christ, you putting on flesh to be with us, God, we take that and we we hold it. It's a treasure. And we come to this cup of juice, which reminds us that you let go Jesus let go of his, of his life on earth so that we could have life on earth and with you. So God, we pray for your Holy Spirit to be present with us. Make this bread be for us the body of Christ. And this juice be for us the blood of Christ so that we could be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. In Jesus' name.